The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. to the Mount of Olives. His disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, and he knelt down, and he prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed even more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrows. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up, pray, that you will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When the followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear, and he healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you've come with swords and clubs? Every day I was in the temple courts. You did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour, when darkness reigns. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, but when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. And a servant girl saw them and seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and she said, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with them, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned. He looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will 
disowned me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. And the men who were guarding Jesus began to mock and beat him. They blindfolded him and demanded, Prophesy, who hit you? And they said many other insulting things to him. That was the story out of Luke, the 22nd chapter. As I come to speak to you about this man, Jesus, we're facing two problems. These two problems I urge you to try to overcome as you listen. The first is, we think we already know the story, so it's hard to hear with freshness. What we think we know is often the source of our greatest problem. And there is a second great problem that we face in trying to hear what I need to say to you today. And that is that there is a gap, a huge divide between what we think we know and how we actually live. I am stunned by the conversations I've held with people over the last days. I'm stunned because many of them speak to me in a tone of self-pity, of blaming others, of justifying themselves. The problem comes when we have great knowledge, but very little love. Great revelation. Many of you have sat through so many sermons and you know so much about the Bible. But as one man said to me, I've been studying the scriptures all of my life and I know the facts of the gospel. I understand the deep revelations of righteousness. The problem is, I have so little of Jesus in me that I still walk in my sin. It's possible to know all about the doctrines of the gospel of Jesus Christ and yet have no love. I don't mean sentimental, squashy, mushy love. I mean a decision that says, I will serve Jesus. Now, that's very difficult in our culture because we are so comfortable. Every need, every physical need is covered. We have food, we have shelter, we have heat, we have hot water in the, in the, in the morning to take a shower. We have credit cards, we have checks, we have, we have doctors, we have nurses, we have beautiful automobiles to drive, we have every richness poured out for us. So it's very difficult for us to come to terms with a Savior who is lowly, who is not esteemed. 
great sorrow this morning. I went to a place called Panera's to get a salad. And I noticed a man bustling about as though he were extremely important as I stood in line and I in my spirit scorned him for his sense of self-importance. And then he came walking past me and brushed against me, forcing me to either take a step forward or fall. He was the manager of the Panera's store and instantly flashed into my heart. Who do you think you are? And the Holy Spirit said to me, Who do you think you are? And I went out and sat at a table and wept. For I thought I had dealt to the bottom of this wicked self-pride. But suddenly this man, brushing against me, forcing me to either step forward or fall down, hitting me as he walked by me, as though I were an obstacle in his, in his way, and flashing up in my heart is this angry pride. And all I could do was weep before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me, please. Forgive me. And after this broadcast, I have work in the prayer closet to, to get to the very bottom of this once again and say, Lord, Lord, have mercy on me. For my pride was sin. I didn't voluntarily. It was just a heart response. But I see it as sin. Am I sanctified? Yes. But now I have to go back and deal again with this issue of self-importance. For I'm nobody. I'm the weakest of all of God's people. Why should there be any sense of pride in my heart? It is utterly unworthy of Jesus. And it's unworthy of my profession. It's unworthy of my testimony. I'm brokenhearted over it. And Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. See, this is this separation between what we know and how we actually live. And if we don't come to terms with this, we will not consider the things of God as reality. We will consider things of the flesh as reality. We will consider how we are treated here as reality. We will consider the food we partake of as reality. We will consider the car we drive and the house we live in. This is reality. No, it is not. It's all going to perish. It all has a label to be burned, including my body. What is real are the words of Jesus. What is real is what Jesus did at Calvary. 
We have to know Jesus. And we have to agonize and weep and struggle over this false reality that we have bought into and allowed to drag us away from the soul anguish that is necessary to be crucified with Christ. Jesus, without sin, is an anguish of heart to such an extent that he would have died had an angel not come and encouraged him and ministered him. He sweat blood in the anguish over the physical flesh he dwelled in, even though it was sinless flesh. He did not want to lay his life down for us in his flesh. But his cry was, Father, not my will but yours be done. If you do not engage in that very real process, you cannot be saved. To know means to have intercourse with, to be inside of. Facts of themselves do not bring closeness. Lordship without servanthood breaks relationships. If I come to you and I say, you must stop doing that. You must repent. You must, you must, you must. And I point the finger. I will break that relationship because there's an absence of love and simply the facts of the gospel will not bring conversion to a person's heart. We're told that it's the kindness of God that brings conviction and repentance. It's not condemnation. It's not beating somebody up. It's pouring out my life in service to another that brings the change in a person's heart. It's the same with me. The Holy Spirit was so kind to me this morning. He was so gentle with me. It just broke my heart. It broke my heart. And all I could do was weep and say, Lord, have mercy on me. Forgive me. Change me. Open my eyes. Now I need to share one other thing before we get into the heart of this message today. We must talk about a term that is used in the scriptures as we talk about them. It's not actually in the scripture, but it's a term we use as we talk about the Lord. And that term is theology. I was taught at the seminary that theology is the study of God. I have rejected utterly that definition of God. For I have found in my life that it was impossible to study God. I could learn the facts, but I could not study him. He is not subject to a test tube. 
Jesus cannot be grabbed and examined as a specimen. We cannot study God. Instead, I want to give you three aspects of theology. I want to give you what I consider to be the true definition of theology. Number one, it is the confession of truth with the study, with the seeking after God comes revelation. Revelation of the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I am the way. Literally in the Greek, I am the path. I am where you must walk. I am the path to the celestial city. It is a true path. And it is the path to life. And so theology is first and foremost a confession of the truth of the revelation that we have received. It is the confession of the truth of the revelation that we have received as we study the scriptures, as we listen to messages like this one, and the rhema, the living word of God, comes into us, and the Holy Spirit begins to send flashes of understanding into our hearts. He begins to pierce us with arrows of conviction. So theology is first and foremost a confession of the truth of the revelation that we have received by the reading of the scripture, by the preaching of the word, by the testimony of other believers. The second step in theology is of necessity careful reflection on my part regarding the revelation I have received. Do you remember the parable of the sower? The sower went out to sow, and as he cast his seed, some fell on the path. And the scripture says, the devil came and stole the word away from their hearts. Reflection is what begins to take place as I bring into my soul the word of God that has been spoken to me. And as I begin to cry out to God that he will give me understanding, I am plowing up that hard path so that the devil cannot come and steal it from me. That path is hard because it is a, like a towpath. When I was a child, I lived beside the Shenango River in Greenville, Pennsylvania, Sharpsville, Pennsylvania. And down along the Shenango River, there was a towpath where fishermen had trod. Weeds grew up on both sides, fertile and abundant. 
but not one thing could grow on that towpath because so many feet had trodden it that it was packed like cement. And the devil would come and simply steal the word away. It is by reflection that we begin to have that towpath torn up. It is by reflection that that stony ground has the stones removed until finally we are good soil. And then there comes a third step in the study of theology. And that is to put into practice what the Holy Spirit is convicting us of. To not blow him off, but to listen to him as he speaks to our heart. It is to begin to obey the word of God to our heart. It is to practice what we've been told. I heard about one brother who, listening to another person talk about prayer, express the cry of their heart that God would awaken them early in the morning so they could come before the Lord and pray. Well, this man prayed that prayer, Lord, wake me up so I could come before you and pray. And sure enough, the next morning, the Lord awakened him and he went in before the Lord and had a much more pleasant day walking with Jesus. So let me review the study of theology is the confession of truth that we receive by revelation. And the truth is Jesus Christ, and he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He is the path. Not only is he the path, but he is the true path, the path that leads to the celestial city, to heaven. He is life. Your car is not life. Your husband, your wife, they're not life. Your children are not life. Your shopping is not life. Your house, your car, your job, it's not life. Jesus is the life. I have no life inside of me except what Jesus has given to me. And he has given me life for these few short years that I might come to know him and learn to obey him and seek after him with all of my heart. You were not put here to pursue your own pleasure or your own desires. You were placed here to seek after Jesus because he would have you spend eternity with him. But if at the judgment you have spent your little portion of loaned life, on everything of this world and have never taken the time to seek after Jesus, you will be utterly lost and cast into hell. There is no life outside of Jesus Christ. Now let's let's speak about this place of crushing 
Jesus, as was his habit, went to the olive grove on the Mount of Olives. And in that olive grove, there was a place called Gethsemane. The word Gethsemane literally means stone of crushing. They would bag the ripe olives into burlap bags, stack them one on top of another, and then with a great beam they would lift an immense rock, and then they would begin to slowly lower that great rock upon the olives in those burlap bags. And the olives would be crushed. And as they were crushed, the oil would come flowing out and be caught in the container, allowing none to be wasted. Jesus has gone to this place of crushing because the Holy Spirit cannot accomplish his work in cooperation with the Father and the Son if there is not a crushing. The crushing of Jesus was the offering of himself as a, an atonement for our sin. Our crushing is to enter into the atonement of Jesus Christ. It's referred to by Jesus as take up your cross and follow me. And he was headed to Golgotha. He was headed to be crucified and to be resurrected. And so likewise, our hearts must be crushed as we recognize the sin that we so easily walk into. And we must be made new. We must be made righteous. We must be sanctified. Now you cannot be You cannot be sanctified by your own works. You must be sanctified by a divine act of Jesus as he brings conviction of sin as you reflect on the truth of Scripture and you practice the obedience of what has been revealed. Now Jesus is being sent on a course that will separate him from his Father. This is the crushing stone. He does not want to be separated from the Father. It is breaking his heart that he will be separated from his Father. He knows he has the work of redemption to accomplish, but he does not want to suffer on the cross. Not because he's afraid of the suffering but because he does not want to enter into the darkness and be separated from the Father. Now somehow, we have been able to leave the presence of the Father with casual ease. There seems to be no pain in it. We live the way the world does. We live separate from the Father. 
we live separate from Jesus and the Holy Spirit having mental assent, but in the reality, this world is our home. And I come to you today begging you, please, enter into deep confession of your worldliness. Enter into deep confession of your lack of love, your quick judgment. Begin to eagerly confess that Jesus is Lord and consecrate your life utterly, totally, and completely to him. And when the Holy Spirit convicts you, as he did me today, of pride, of self-importance, quickly rush to your knees in the, in the prayer room and cry out to God and say, Have mercy on me, a sinner. This is not just self-improvement stuff. This is life and death. If you would live with Jesus for eternity, you must come to an end of your self-pity. You must rise up in your heart and say, Jesus, I must know you. I don't want to know about you, Jesus. I want to know you. I want to enter into you, Jesus. We're so cast down in our heart by the criticism of other people. We're so defensive about what other people say to us and the way they say it. And we engage in all kinds of self-pity. Who says that I am always to be spoken to with respect and courtesy and love? And that if you want to talk to me, you come and talk to me the way I demand you talk to me. Come on. That's not what Jesus is about. And then we speak to others demanding that they meet our religious requirements. Speaking curses on other people's lives. You either do it my way or you're in trouble with Jesus. You're not Jesus. How'd you decide that? You see, the human flesh loves to dress up in the uniform of religion. Don't wear the uniform of religion, please. Cast it aside. Repent of it. Don't be defensive about how someone speaks to you or what they do. Cast that aside. It's sin. Repent of that. Let the love of Jesus enter your heart. Let him be enough for you. Let Jesus be enough for you. Jesus was utterly crushed by the loss of closeness with his Father. He could not face, he could not face being separate from his Father. What crushes you today? the loss of a job, 
the lack of money, sickness, family and friends speaking to you in ways that anger you and upset you and judge you. Does loss of lifestyle crush your heart? Does the rejection of someone you love crush your heart? None of that crushed the heart of our Savior. There was only one thing that could crush his heart. Oh yes, he felt the scorn. He felt the anger and the bitterness of his people. He sorrowed over that, but he was not crushed by it. What crushed him was the absence of the Father entering into the darkness of separation from his Father. What should crush my heart and yours is separation from Jesus. That's why today I immediately just began to weep because suddenly I was separate from Jesus. I had I had acted in a in a manner I thought in a manner that caused the closeness of Jesus to suddenly withdraw from me, and I had to enter into deep confession until that presence returned. I said, Lord, how can I go and do this broadcast today if I don't have you with me? I I have no words to speak to them. Shall I just play music for the entire time? I said, Lord, if you don't return to me, I cannot speak your word. If pride rises up in my heart, unbidden, I cannot speak your word. I must have you, Jesus. I must have you, Jesus. I cannot live without you. What is your limit with God? Jesus reached his absolute limit with God. And he said, not my will, but yours. Your will is also my will. Jesus reached a point where he couldn't go any further. He was sweating blood. It was over. Had an angel not come and strengthened him, he probably would have died in that garden. He reached his absolute limit. And when he reached the absolute limit, he said, not my will, but yours be done. Father, not my will, but your will. Now we could talk about many others who reached that same point. Job reached that point of, of absolute limit with God. And all he could do was repent in dust and ashes. Elijah reached his limit and said, get me out of here. And the still small voice of God spoke and loved him and strengthened him for 20 more years of ministry. And then he sent his limo from heaven to pick him up, to horse in the chariots of fire. 
Well, Moses reached his limit with God out in that desert. He reached his limit with God. Abraham reached his limit with God. If you read through the scriptures, what marks every holy man and every holy woman in the scripture is that they came to a place in their life where they knew they could not do it themselves, where they were at a point of absolute limit. They reached the far end of their strength. They could go no further, and it was there that God met them. God is not going to meet you in the easy chair, the easy boy sitting in front of the television drinking a beer watching the sports, watching the Redskins, watching the baseball, watching the tennis. God's not going to meet you there. God's going to meet you when he's finally able to bring you to the end of yourself. And the arrows of conviction pierce your heart until you finally say, Lord, not my way, but your way. today if any of you would like to call because of technical difficulties I've not been able to open the phones for some time I'm wondering what you'd like to share what have you learned where are you with Jesus today have you reached your limit can I pray with you that Jesus would now come and meet you our phone number here in studio is 877 534 0780 Is your heart tender toward Jesus? How do you stand with God today? Jesus' response to being taken to the end, to his utter limit, is very different than our normal response. Our normal response to discipline, to being taken to our limit, is we want to go take a nap. Jesus' response was tears and brokenness. Our response is we want to run, we want to find a diversion, we want to find something to divert ourselves from the pain. Jesus' response was submission. Our response is usually exhaustion. Jesus' response was to pray. Our response is usually depression. Jesus' response was to trust. Our response is usually anger when things don't go our way. 
Jesus' response was complete obedience to the will of the Father. So how do you stand with Jesus today? We have time for a couple calls. I'd love to hear from you. 877-534-0780. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. If you're being convicted by these radio broadcasts, I invite you to come and worship with us this Sunday. Surprise may come. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to hear your testimony. There is time during the service when we open the mic for people to come and simply testify to what Jesus has done in them this week. I would love to have some of you come and just stand and testify and tell the congregation what Jesus has done in your heart as you've listened to this broadcast. The service this Sunday will not be a service of entertainment. There will not be special program entertainment. There will not be special music and, and skits and drama. The prayer chapel is not about entertainment. We are about Jesus. We are about following Jesus. I'd like to invite you to come. I'm going to give you the address you can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you will find there a map and the address for where we meet. But I'd like to give you the address now. We meet at the All Saints Anglican Church. The All Saints Anglican Church. It's located at 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia. Two two one nine two. Again, it's the All Saints Anglican Church. One four eight five one, Gideon Drive. Woodbridge, Virginia. Two two one nine two. Now, I'd also like to invite you to sacrificially give. This radio broadcast needs to be on the FM side of the dial. That is extremely expensive. Some of you, however, the Lord may move in your heart to give large sums that we could move to the FM side of the dial. Literally, we're speaking about an incredible amount of money. The first year we would need about $110,000 for radio broadcast. But this is where most of the people listen. This broadcast needs to go to this city to convict, to change, to raise up a people who will walk in righteousness. If your heart is moved, would you please consider a very sacrificial one-time gift, Mark, Wava FM. And we will hold it for the FM. We know Jesus will open it. We're waiting on men and women who will 
leave their pride behind and their demands and sacrifice for others. I also invite you to give with a monthly cost here on the AM side of the dial. This is still very expensive. We're pushing $4,000 this month. And we are still $3,000 away from that figure. It's been a very difficult month because of technical difficulties. Many of you have not been able to listen as you normally do. I'm praying that today that has been changed. You can hear the podcasts on our webpage at nationalprayerchapel.com. Let me give you the address for the National Prayer Chapel. It's Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Our phone number again is 877-534-0780. I hope there are not technical issues that are keeping you from reaching us Keep trying. Be patient. I would love to talk with several of you and hear what Jesus is doing in your life and in your heart as he calls you to follow him. 877-534-0780 pray with you please Lord I have spoken the message that you prepared in my heart for this day I cannot convict those listening to change their behavior I cannot convince them to come and worship this Sunday with the prayer chapel Lord, only your Holy Spirit can bring conviction and change in a man's heart. And so, Lord, with love, I come and speak your word. And I trust you by the power of your Spirit to pierce the hearts of those who listen, to draw them out of this casual Christian worldliness that so many of them are dwelling in, I trust you to turn their eyes from the world, the flesh, and the devil and cause them to feel such a hunger in their heart to know you, to lay down everything of this world, to lay down the way they dress, the way they talk, the way they spend their money, the way they spend their time, the inner thoughts of the heart and pride and arrogance, the lust after the passions of the flesh, Lord, you have rebuked me time after time. And you've called me to be sanctified entirely. And you have done that work in me. I have not done it. I testify that you alone could turn my heart from worldly 
ambitions and pleasures and entertainment. Lord, you know that I was addicted to television and to sports and that today you have utterly turned my heart away and I've turned my back to the television and to the world. Lord, only you could do that. I couldn't. Lord, I come today and those who are in anguish of heart, I ask, would you come and comfort them with the truth? Some who are walking holy before you, utterly sold out, are at the end of themselves, and they need you to come and speak that word to their heart that you will sustain them and carry them. For you do have plans for their life. Lord, I just plead with you today for each person listening. plead, Lord, that those who have great revelation of truth, great revelation of intellectual understanding of the gospel, but have no love, that you would break their hearts. I pray, Lord, that you will balance our intellectual understanding with the love of Jesus. That you will take all harshness from our spirits. And on the other hand, that you would take all self-pity from our hearts. Lord, I know some today are in the depths of despair and they're angry and they're, they're depressed and they're not getting their way and they're angry about it. Angry about the way they're being treated by their fellow men. Lord, I ask, would you come today and minister to their hearts the love and compassion that you showed on Calvary's tree? Lord, I know you were crushed there. I know you were crushed beyond even being recognized as human. You were beaten and spit upon. Lord, all of that was for my sin, for my wickedness. Lord, as I look upon you as you hung on that cross, my heart is broken. Lord, stop men and women right now, wherever they are, in their cars, in their office, in their home. Lord, stop them now and cause them to look at you, Jesus to see you on that cross, to stop feeling sorry for themselves, to stop being angry and bitter, to stop being harsh and hard-edged. Jesus, would you come? Would you minister to men and women all over this great city right now? Would you minister to the people who will listen all over the world on the Internet? Lord, would you come and would you minister your grace and your mercy and your kindness? Lord, would you bring us to an utter end of ourselves and cause us to enter into full consecration? Lord, forgive those churches that are focused on their 
their passion play. Lord, forgive those who are focused on their music and their entertainment. Lord, I ask that you would turn the eyes of your church to the cross, that we would seek you. Come, Lord Jesus, minister to us. I pray in your holy name. of the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. You're welcome to come this Sunday and join together with us. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com where you'll find directions on how to contact us and where we meet. Our service begins at 12 o'clock with prayer and intercession. At 12.30, we begin a time of welcome and a time of sharing of what Jesus has done for us. And then I speak the word. Come, join us. Meet with Jesus this Sunday. God bless you. I love you, my brother, my sister. I'm praying for you. I'll talk to you soon. With great joy.